right. Looks wow. like we are live on Facebook. So welcome everyone who's joining us. It's Tim Watson. I am with Meet the Masters and I'm joined today by Master Claire Marsh. Welcome, ma'am. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining and good to not see you, but know that you're there virtually. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a different way to, to share with people, but the fact that we're still able to do that, you know, we're talking about technology and, and that's kind of what you do. Uh, yeah. We've, we've pivoted at this point uh, all over the world and uh, we're joined with by everyone all over the world. Um, people in the UK watch all over the United States, uh, Master Marco from Sweden watches. So it uh, really is a worldwide thing. So thank you for um, allowing me to uh, have the opportunity to chat with you and, and, and share a little bit of so. Well, thank you. It's an, it's an honor to be asked and uh, hello, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, no matter where you are in the world. Um, happy to join you today. Awesome. So uh, let's talk a little bit with what's going on right now in the world. Oh, there you go. Master Marco says hello. Oh, and, uh, Marco. <laughs> um, so with everything that's going on with COVID-19, uh, not just martial arts schools, but industries all over the world have pivoted to, um, you know, online training and, and learning. So you right. just, just start with your experience in that, you know, in the martial arts, if you're doing any classes and what you've been doing in your, your other life as well. <laughs> Yeah, so everything is online these days, and that is actually my profession. I've specialized in online learning for corporate training for the last few decades, actually. And so it's been a really busy time for us. Um, my organization, which is a, a, in the financial services, usually does a lot of in-person programs, but we've pivoted along with everybody else to do things online. Um, so I spend all my time online all day now, and um, and now, for martial arts as well. I mean, the only way we can stay together and training together is virtually. And when this all started in the middle of March, April, there were a couple months where we really didn't connect as a region, as a group, as um, uh, you know, as a collective. We were all kind of doing our own thing, and then we decided, oh, God, we need to start doing th this together. And so we've through Zoom. Thank goodness there's Zoom had regional black belt classes. We've done our judges training. We've taken our examinations. We're now preparing for a black belt test. So everything is going online and it's definitely not ideal, but it's much better than not getting together and training. And um, it's the way of the world right now. Have you, have you been able to do any in-person like outside or anything like that or has just been Zoom? Yeah, with anybody else, it's just been Zoom. I mean, Master Marsh and myself, obviously, we've converted half the garage into a sure. studio. <laughs> so we can work out there and we can work together, but we have not gotten together with uh, anyone else really in person. Um, we are being very careful to stay quarantined. California was a hot spot for a long time. San Diego just got taken off yesterday okay. off the hot spot list. So we're making progress, but uh, yeah, strange times. Thank goodness for Zoom, or we wouldn't be as together as we are. Right. Yeah, I know all about the the home gym. I just add, we just added a new uh, heavy bag in the basement yesterday. I filled it with water and 
Now, now we got a, a bag for my my wife and I, and then both my kids strain. So <laughs> that's great. I mean, we've had our heavy bag hanging in the gym, but it really was just between the cars. We never really used it much, but now we what we had to get was a mat. So we have a, a thin mat that we're able to roll out because the concrete was a little dusty and also kind of hard to work on. So that was our big addition. I have to remember not to lift the garage door up or the flag rolls up. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> things, things you thought you, you never have to deal with <laughs> oh i know it's true no. we're we're versatile we're we're we can pivot and we can uh, adapt that's the that's the main thing that's right never treat battle right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly awesome well again i want to thank everyone for joining us we got uh Lindsay, Lindsay from great britain tongue sudo yoshi oda's joining us mr ormiston from florida uh, Jose from Puerto Rico. So uh, yeah, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get started with uh, talking about your martial arts journey. Um, so if you could take us back and, and tell us how you got interested and started in the martial arts. So um, yeah, it goes back way back to uh, my really earliest memories. I was um, born in Japan. I was raised in Asia. So there was a cultural affinity already with there was always a martial arts aspect. I was never in it. Um, but I think that's where I'm also half Asian. My mother is from the Philippines. Um, my father was in the um, foreign service. He was with the US embassy. So we moved Japan, Cambodia, Singapore. Um, and in Singapore was where I first started. My, I was in grade school and it was my first kind of introduction to athletics. And it wasn't martial arts, but it was in two things that led me to the martial arts. One was soccer, which is what everybody plays in Asia. And the other was ballet. So it was my first kind of formal discipline training. And I wasn't very good when I started. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't come naturally to me. And so I really learned um, perseverance and focus and um, sticking with it to kind of overcome it. And, and also I began to appreciate the discipline. I think it also taught me a little bit of grace, <laughs> which is necessary in the martial arts as well. And um, so that's, that's the strict instruction and the kind of character building combined with the developing physically. Um, so then each place I moved, we moved to Washington, D.C., and then to Manila in the Philippines, and then to Iran, a little bit in the Middle East. And each one of those places, I continued my training, not so much in Iran, because the only place to train was with the Marine Guard, and they were across town, and I couldn't get there. Um, but um, when I went to college is when I got into martial arts, and it was because I joined the soccer team and it was the men's team. They didn't have a women's team at the time. They said, come on and sign up. And if we get enough women, we'll form a team. Well, they didn't get any other women. And so I was scrimmaging with the guys and the coach said, we want you to play. So I actually played men's varsity soccer NCAA for four years, lettered all four years. And I met Master Marsh on the soccer team. We were kind of adversaries. I was a forward, he was a fullback. And he would tease me mercilessly and he's a real smart aleck. Those of you who know him know that. And, um, and one day I was dashing off to go to my ballet class and he started saying things about how ballet was such a sissy thing. And so I said, well, I dare you 
to come and take it. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll dare you to do that if you come and take martial arts with me. So it was kind of a double dare and we, he joined my ballet class and I joined his martial arts class and he lasted one semester and I never stopped. So um, it was a better thing for me than it was for him. <laughs> um, but that was our first instructor. He was a um, Junri black belt in Taekwondo from Washington, DC. Um, first Chodan and, and these were his first classes. So it was really great, really vigorous training and could do one test a year. So after four years, I was a fifth cup, <laughs> but it was really more about um, developing fitness and developing technique. And he was a really big guy, um, big, tall, heavy, but he could move. His kicks were amazing. And I remember thinking, I need to do that because I'm not big. And if I want to reach somebody's head, I've got to learn to extend my legs. So that's why I liked Taekwondo, you know, Korean martial arts, because mm -hmm. there was a lot of kicking and I can reach farther with my legs than I can with my arms. So that was how I got started. Um, and I kept up my training through um, college. And then I went to graduate school. Actually, I went back to Iran and then I moved to New York, did my graduate school in upstate New York. And they didn't have um, Korean studio there that I could find. So I trained with a, a Shotokan offshoot. Okay. It was on campus and then I joined their dojang. And that was really good for me because Taekwondo is all kicks mm -hmm. and Shotokan is mostly hands. So I really feel like it balanced me as a martial artist in my fighting, especially. And, you know, cause forms I could do and, but in my fighting, I, I didn't, I used my arms to block and all I did was kick and this taught me to use my hands. So anyway, I was still long distance dating Master Marsh. He was in San Diego. And after a couple of years, after I graduated, we got married, moved to San Diego and decided we both wanted to continue training. So we looked around for a school and ended up at a studio run by Master Young Hyuk Kwan from Philadelphia. And Master Larry Dercole was his senior student. Master St. James was also there. Okay. Master Kenny Purnell. I think those are the only three that are still there from those days. Um, and uh, Master Kwan's training, I think, is legendary. You've had other instructors talk about it. Um, very disciplined, um, a lot of fun. Just, and that became our lives. We just trained, you know, went to work, trained. <laughs> and, um, young married couple, and we did. We came up through the ranks together, and um, quite, during that time was the first time I met Kwan Jim because we were federation at the time, Tungsuga um, Mudokwan Federation, and he came out to talk about his vision for starting a new association. And um, he already had the he already had the logo. He had the flag. I remember we had a dinner. We invited all the students to come listen to his vision. And he already had the flag hanging in the background. It was before the convention, but he had a vision and a, and a symbol for it. And, you know, he is just such a inspirational person that you, you couldn't help but agree and want to go along and be a part of this because you could tell even then that it would be something special. And his focus on not so much the competitive aspects, except competing with yourself to make yourself 
the best you can be <clears throat> and be a part of nature, be part of the world in harmony. That was a unique perspective that had never been a part of any Tung Sido training or any martial arts training I had been up to then. So um, we all joined um, World Tung Sido. Uh, Master Pat Marsh went to the convention only when we, we were just starting out. So only one of us could afford to travel at that time. So he went, which was really special. And, um, and you know, here we are all these years later. So I'm trying to think of when, when I actually started teaching. That was another question you asked me. So at, at that level, let's just talk about that kind of time frame. Where, where were you in your training at that point? Were you a black belt uh, at that point or? When, when I joined Yong Kyokuan, we started over, both of us started over, even though we had, I was a brown belt in the Shotokan, they'd given me a brown belt. We started over at white belt. So through that journey, it went all through all 10 ranks and I got my black belt. Um, at, you know, right around the time that the association started in 1983 is when I earned my, my chodan. So it was coming up through the ranks. Yeah, it's amazing. So you're, you're probably one of the, the first, that first batch of people who earned their black belt officially under the association. That's yeah, actually, I earned my black belt not officially under the association. Okay. There was yeah, I, I earned it. There was a little period in time when Master Kwan moved back to Philadelphia and his two schools split. And he there was another instructor, Hong Kubek, who, who came over and he was an amazing instructor. Um, what I learned from him, he was a, a Qigong master, okay. and but he wasn't teaching Qigong. He was teaching martial arts. But he, we did all these exercises. Saturdays was our day that we did these exercises and breathing and, you know, and it was like, what are we doing? But that gave me more power and energy and focus that I, that I didn't have. And I don't think I would have progressed and matured as a black belt if it weren't for that, if it wasn't for that training. So years later, when Qigong came into our association, it was like, that's what that was. It was, yeah, it was a really good early. He was a phenomenal instructor in that respect and how to harness that internal power. You know, I'm not a big person. And so breaking to me was intimidating. Um, jumping over chairs and breaking things was, I just didn't think it was possible for me, but it was that um, harnessing that inner energy and directing it, which allowed that to happen. And it, it was amazing and I, I never want to let it go. I think it's a real life force now for me and I appreciate all the training that the association is doing in the World Qigong Club to, to kind of develop that. So yeah, so you got our black belts with Hong Quebec, but then he later uh, was leaving the martial arts. So we rejoined back into the association. We never really left. We were kind of just sort of a little offshoot at that time. But yeah. yes, it was one of the early, early black belts in the association. Awesome. So after after he left, what was your? Uh, did you go back to the the Quans or did you start your? Yeah. Own? Well, at that time, then Master Quan, because he had left the area, Master Dracol took over the school, okay. so he was our regional instructor, our head instructor, um, and Master Saint James was there as well. But he moved to Orange County and. Mm. He had, right before that, he had started two clubs 
in San Diego, one up at UCSD on campus and the other at the UC Tech Center. It was a business park that had a nice fitness facility. And so when he moved up to Orange County, Master Pat and I were his two senior students and he said, would you take over teaching? And I remember that being a tough decision for me. You know, we went up to UCSD and that was fabulous, but I thought, how is a five foot two female, 105 pound girl gonna walk into a studio and be the instructor? I just didn't know how that would work out. There were no, there weren't very many women in the martial arts. It was all men predominantly. And um, so I thought, I just kind of sucked it up and said, okay, I'll give it a try. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh -huh. And um, so I kind of, my style was not to try to go toe to toe with somebody, you know, six foot two and outweighed me by a hundred pounds, but it was really to focus on the technique and the, the development of the technique and fitness and capability. And we went a hundred and 20% every class and God, it was fun. I, I mean, we really, that was kind of my way of like, I'm in this with you. If I can do it, you can do it. And so really I've not only brought out my own best self, but in, in the students and I'm real proud of all the students that came out of that school. So we, um, I ran that school independently for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. We had two locations and um, then my, work life started to take over and I started to travel a lot. So I turned it over to some of my black belts. Predominantly I'd teach when I was in town. Um, but eventually we merged to just the one location up at UCSD because I just couldn't sustain it. I don't know how we did it because we had small children at the time too. And I, you know what that's like. Sure. <laughs> Kids, work, family, tungsido. It's it somehow we managed and I guess because we just loved it so much and all our really closest friends were in that community so we made it happen we supported each other and I think that's I think that says everything and I'm I know that there's people that have siblings outside of the martial arts that support them and and mm -hmm. uh you know are right there with them in that journey but I don't know like kind of like you said I don't know how I would do it if my wife wasn't part of it as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah, for, for a number of reasons to, to be able to be a sounding board, to understand what you're going through. to right. also be like, Hey, I can't do this. Can you do this? And <laughs> yeah, it really is. You don't have to worry about the martial arts competing right. with the marriage. You know, it's you're, you're in it together and you understand and support each other for so many years we would teach on opposite nights. I taught Monday, Wednesdays. He taught Tuesdays, Thursdays. Friday was our joint training day and Saturdays was a day class. So, I mean, it, which we did together. So, you know, I, I don't think we sat down and had a meal together as a family other than Sundays for, I don't know how many years. Yeah. Um, and, or we would feed the kids early and then we'd eat together later, so all those little adjustments you make to make it happen. <laughs> now, how many, how many children do you have? We have three, three children. Um, they did participate in the martial arts. None of them are still in it. Um, um, my son, when he got to uh, red stripe, so almost ready for Chodombo, um, got into team sports. Oh, so okay. he, he was 
in soccer. He was in uh, baseball, little league, um, kind of competed with that. And then he got into track. So, you, you know, you, they grew up, they, they could count in Korean before they could count in English. <laughs> um, and they still can. Um, my daughter went all the way, got her chodan, loved it, but then she went away to college and there was no place. She went to school in New York and in the city and there was no place convenient. I think, um, trying to think of who the closest one was to go out to uh, Connecticut would have been half wow. should have had to get on a train. So she just never was able to keep it up. She moved home for a while um, and picked up training again with us, but once she's now living in Los Angeles and doesn't train regularly. They both, both of them are still very active as runners. Gotcha. You talked about your studio. Oh. Oops. Lost your video. Sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Rodney Ralph actually just uh, chimed in there. Were, I don't. New York City Tung Sudo was was is was there. I don't know how long ago that was, but uh, it would have been two thousand and five. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what? Remind me the name of your your studio. UC Tech. And so you, how did, how does it work? Well, I guess right now, are you doing Zoom classes a couple times a week or? Yeah, actually, um, I'm personally not regularly teaching anymore. I so I fill in, I, tr I teach a lot at Alec Gardens, Tungsido with Master Purnell. We work with him. Um, uh, Master Miguel Soto is teaching primarily at UC Tech, okay. but I'm very much part of our regional. We have a monthly regional black belt class. So I'm intermittent during the week and everything is on Zoom now. It's just right. crazy. I mean, that's the only way, obviously the business of martial arts has suffered a lot and uh, not all the students stuck with um, Zoom classes. I know at Allied Gardens, Master Purnell was able to meet with some of them in a park. So some of that is going on individual classes or sibling groups. Um, but it's all Zoom these days, and you know, hopefully we'll all be able to train together at some point. Yeah, um, I'm friends with with Miguel, and I I thought that sounded familiar, so that's why I was that's mm -hmm. why I was asking. Um, yeah, that's quite a that's quite a team, you know, Master Fresnel, Master Soto, you and Master mm -hmm. Marsh. Yeah, um, Master Larry Dracole, Master yeah. Leslie Salinas, and Master Kelly Goodwin. Um, Master Osai Robinson, got some wonderful, wonderful wow. instructors here in San Diego. We're very fortunate. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's quite a that's quite a crew of uh, martial artists. I uh, mm -hmm. had the opportunity to test for my uh, red stripe with uh, Master Robinson, and he's oh. he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's a great martial artist and a wonderful human being. So we were we were very happy when he moved to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to an area where we needed a school so it all worked out beautifully Excellent. <laughs> yeah. and then master Brunel, i've i've only really been around him at master's clinic when you and him help out with uh with the candidates he's just uh always smiling he's, he's that guy that he, he'll give you a smile but when you do something or he's not happy with something he'll absolutely let you know <laughs> yeah he is very we call he's sort of our unofficial protocol master in the region because he is a stickler um but really honestly just there's no better human being that i know 
and uh, just a, a great friend, a great martial artist, wonderful to train with. Sundays are our training days where we get together and um, keep up with the stuff that masters are supposed to keep up with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just lucky we have that in our region that our proximity is such. We're a small region and we're all within a couple hours drive from each other. Um, Caltech is probably our farthest flung in Long Beach and um, William Glenn and Ricardo Hassan are out there in Caltech and, and um, Mark Schoenberger and, um, uh, God, she's gonna kill me. I'm Michael Cardinal, uh, she runs oh. our scholarship program, yeah. are up in Long Beach. Okay. So. Yeah, I've got crew. I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I wouldn't be where I where I am without the the training partners that I've had the the you know luxury and and just so happy to have the people around me uh, to 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 push me along and like you said uh, remember the stuff that the masters need to know. <laughs> yeah, you know everybody I'm sure um, feels this in their martial arts career. There's ebbs and flows and times when you're on a you feel like you're really progressing and then you plateau forever. And sometimes it, sometimes you lose heart and, you know, ah, you know, I can't keep doing this and getting older, all of that. And you rely on your friends and your colleagues and your fellow martial artists to kind of keep you on. It's like, come on, you can do this. And um, we, we push each other, keep each other going for sure. And there's so many students that are just inspirational as well and you see what they're coming up against and, and what they're achieving. And I think to myself, okay, they can do this, I can do this. <laughs> so. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we, uh, we talked about it the other day, we share a, a, a student that has come through both of our uh, dojang, Sandy Fenton. Um, That's right. Talk about someone who started and then, you know, life happened and then she came back and uh, you know, just flourished as a martial artist. Uh, really did. She's another amazing person. Um, so wonderful that she's back here, kind of closing the circle back up. She was one of the very first students up at UCSD and because um, she was in the doctoral program there and just great dedicated student and, um, you know, work took her back east and it was so wonderful that she found a place to reconnect and train with you and and um, come back. She's doing really well. I think I shared with you, she won our regional cup, our women's senior cup last uh, year. And we're having a virtual tournament this year. So I don't know what that's gonna be like to defend her title, but uh, <laughs> um, it was just, it was a real, um, I mean, it was a emotional high point for her, but it was for me too. You get so invested in individuals and their journeys and, uh, so you share that feeling of euphoria when you do something that you didn't think you'd be able to do. <laughs> so let, let's go back, I guess, a little bit. We talked about Grandmaster Shin. Um, maybe you could share some stories of uh, throughout the years. I'm sure you have a story or two of. Oh yeah, many. I think my um, the best times that I shared with Kwanjinim Shin were early on in the history of the association when it was really becoming international. And we are here in San Diego, right next to the Mexican border, and um, started to create relationships with schools just south of the border in the Tijuana area. 
And um, through connections there and through work that Master Dracol did traveling into Mexico, um, our biggest um, inroad into that country was an affiliation with a school system in the state of Sinaloa. And um, so Tangsudo, through connections and many journeys down there to meet with the officials with Kwanjanim, usually would bring a delegation of us and started out uh, with you know the, the San Diego crew and then different masters would come along. Master Kiyungi came one year and that was wonderful getting to know him. I don't believe any of the stories about him because he was the nicest, most gracious um, person that I met. And everybody that trains with him said he was hard and mean and I didn't see that side of him. But anyway, it was great. Of course, Master Kwan came along and Master Daryl Khalid um, from Arizona another year. So it was a multi-year process going down and meeting with the school officials, with the government, where World Tungsido became an element of their fitness program in the schools. And so that was the first real blossoming of World Tungsido in the state, uh, the country of Mexico. And this was in a state, in the state of Sinaloa. And it was on those trips that um, we had a lot of time either on buses or in minivans or in cars, driving to these little towns and far-flung areas. All the students would be lined up along the edge of a road, no, no telling how long they were waiting in the sun for Kwan Janim to arrive. And delegations from the newspapers. It was a big deal for these little towns to have a, a, an official at the level of Kwan Janim visit. So it was big news. and. Um, but a lot of time on the road talking about martial arts and the association and what we were trying to bring to people and a lot of personal stuff, raising children, um, juggling the responsibilities of the martial arts with the time you spend with your family and with your children. It was It was an issue for him as it is for all of us um, and talking through the trade-offs and how grateful we were to have understanding spouses. <laughs> you know, like all the things that we talk about uh, is something that he experienced too. So it was very, a very human level of communication. Um, it, was, it was pretty special. Um, and then to see him turn from that to be the dignified, charismatic leader projecting a goal and a vision that um, a lot of people can get behind to follow. And, and um, you know, that's, it's a credit to him that association has persevered and continues to grow even after his passing because that vision lives through all of us mm -hmm. in what we do and how, how we transmit that down. So those were the best times. It's, it, when you say that, as far as having things continue, I think it's, with those interactions that he had with so many uh, instructors, he was able to connect on a personal level with so many people. You know, everyone I talked to that was around him, like like you were, shares the same story and the same goal to continue his legacy. And it, yeah. it, it's just amazing that, I, you know, I, I was around him, but didn't get a, a chance to spend a lot of time with him, but, um, it's really special to hear stories like yours. Um, and it's no surprise, like you said, the association is continuing past his death because of 
you know, amazing people like you and, and, and everyone else uh, around the world spreading his, his message. So, yeah, I, I really feel in, especially his last few years. And if any of you saw, I'm sure you did. And most everybody here saw the video that he created that was shown at the championship. There's a point in that video where he, he looks right in the camera and he says, it's up to you, my masters, to take this forward. And, um, for me, and I know for many others, and you probably as well, I'm sure, take that as a um, personal commitment. And um, and I'm I'm just glad to see that uh, our Kwanjinim Bodwin, Kwanjinim Strong, carrying that forward as well and doing their part to, to help bring this vision, not only maintain it, but continue to grow it. Um, every master around the world, this we are a world organization, and it's important for us to maintain that and um, kind of just pass that philosophy down to the students. I think that's what kept all of us there, was valuable to us, and we, we can show that through our actions and what we do. Just to touch base on that, what you talked about going down to, to Mexico, are those, do you still have connections with, uh, obviously there's quite a few masters that are, are down in Mexico. Yes, many so new I ones since those early days, um, but some of those early students, they were children at the time, are great friends and, um, you know, I'm godparent to some children of theirs and it just, you know, it, yes, yeah, so we do maintain strong connections. Um, everybody who, was there feels special for being there in the early days, but it, today there's so many just wonderful studios down there that were that came along well afterwards that are just kind of have grown organically as the association has grown, and it's just it's neat to see. I remember what my first tournament that I actually had to do the divisions and organize was the Mexican National Championship. <laughs> it was held in Tijuana. And it was the early days of computers. Master Dercole had one of those square Apple computers, the ones that the rectangular ones, little <laughs> floppy disks. And um, people were coming from all over Mexico. And some of them arrived like four o'clock the afternoon of the more the tournament starts in the next morning. So nothing was pre-organized. It was an all-night effort to type into that little computer all of the handwritten. Uh, registration forms and then to print them out into divisions and be organized for eight o'clock the next morning when we started and, and to start lining people up. That was my talk about baptism by fire. Oh I'd never done that before. <laughs> and and um, it was, but I remember Master Ramirez Ramirez, he was the first champion, um, Mexican national champion. And they carried him on his shoulder, their shoulders around the gymnasium afterwards. It was such a wonderful moment. And uh, so I, I see that moment every time I see him at the Masters Camps now. It's still still a very special day. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I've had the opportunity to, to meet him through uh, Masters Clinic and, and World Championships. And it's just a, a great, a great man. And uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about you know joy, uh, being in the Masters Clinic, being at World Championships, and the 
relationships that we make. Obviously, you talked about the relationships in Mexico, but obviously relationships around the world. Um, and what do you, what do you think makes what we do special that that we're able to have that bond that like you said last you see them you see them this year and then you don't see them until two years at worlds or next year at masters clinic what is it about what we do that, that makes that bond so so special gosh a thousand ways to answer that yeah. <laughs> um we all go through the same uh, grind, you know, the hard work that it takes to to get to black belt and then every level thereafter, master's belt and every level thereafter. Uh, I mean, it takes a lot. We, we share a lot of determination um, and perseverance. And I think that gives us common ground to start with. But um, it's been pretty wonderful to have different projects almost or initiatives within the association to work with different people. Um, uh, so going back years, um, Master Waller, who is no longer with us, was senior master in region one, all of California, actually all the way Arizona and Hawaii to the Mexican border was all one region, um, now three different regions. Um, but Master Waller uh, had, he came from a very disadvantaged area of Sacramento, and he really saw education as the way for um, people to grow beyond their environment. And so he was one who came up with the idea for the scholarship fund. He wanted to see the association play a part in that. But he didn't know how to put a proposal together. He didn't know, he, we were just talking about it at one of the championships and, and he was sharing this vision that he had and just asked me, would you, would you help me write this up? because I, mean, I wrote proposals, I, can, I know how to do that. So we did and kind of formulated the criteria and, and he presented this, I wasn't on the board at the time, he presented it to the board and it was accepted. And uh, through that project, we developed a very special bond and relationship. And um, I felt that way with the first group of people that started to come on and join in each region. And, um, uh, you know, this is now Master Arteca's uh, responsibility and it's grown way beyond where it started from and is formalized in, in a beautiful way. But it was just the opportunity to work with someone that formed a bond. Another, another project was working on the development of the judging um, uh, curriculum. Um, there was a group of us that was asked, Master, uh, Grandmaster Strong kind of assembled us, um, including uh, an educator from his university to keep us on the straight and narrow. Master UTech was on that um, development committee as well. And we really formulated, we just, you know, through our joint capability and brainstorming, formulated what has become, and again, grown through uh, contributions of a lot of people into something really important. But I never would have gotten to know Master Utech otherwise, you know, or, or Lisa, I, you know, she's not training anymore, but I still really value that, that time. And, and actually getting to know Grandmaster Strong really through that effort, um, because he was overseeing it, it was part of the TAC committee. So each one of these sort of little functions, um, getting to know, um, uh, Master Schroeder, when he was kind of handed the World Qigong Club, I didn't really know him. I, we knew each other, but 
going to those and watching and helping him develop that. And now Master I is taking that yet on another to another level. And I think that's it. It's you work on things together and you form relationships in addition to just sharing, upholding Quantum's vision and spreading it as long as we can. Awesome. Uh, one of the things you had the opportunity to do was uh, organize at Last Worlds the the women's demonstration. Mm-hmm. Could you uh, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm glad you sent me that in advance to think about because it made me think about how did that come about. <laughs> um, and it again, it was just something that I noticed at one of the world championships, probably six years ago, seven years ago, I just noticed that there were more little pink head uh, protectors and gloves around the rings than I'd ever seen before. And it, it occurred to me that from the days when I started at a world championship, there were, they, the women and men competed together. There were not enough women to even make one division. And except for sparring, and then sometimes there were three of us or four of us, um, there, there just weren't that many women in it. And in the space of the past 20, 25 years, that had really changed. And I saw all these little pink helmets around the ring and I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty special. We need to do something with that. And I just sort of tucked it into my mind. And um, a few years ago, I guess six years ago now, I've been asked to join the board on the women and children's committee. So I'm always thinking of ideas of what, what can I do next? And I thought to myself, you know, the women don't really need any special training. They're already here. What we need to is acknowledge it. And um, so that was the idea I had. I thought, okay, I need to think about how to, how to showcase how women are now really an equal part of the association where before we really were not. I mean, it was yin and yang, but a much bigger yang than yin. And, and, um, and I was at a conference and the, um, it was the year after the Cubs won the World Series for the first time. And the keynote speaker was the owner of the Cubs. And he was talking about the changes he made um, to the Cubs organization to um, change the way the coaches interacted with the players, how they recruited players, and kind of that shift that really got everybody focused on a goal. And he shared a little video and he said, this is probably the last time the video is going to be played because they were just about to enter the playoffs the subsequent year, which they didn't win. But um, he said, so it depends on how we do in the upcoming weeks. And um, the music in that video was the music we used for the women's demo. And it just is a very, it, it, I was sitting there in the dark and I, all I could concentrate on was the music. It kind of built and it came to a crescendo and it was just powerful. And, you know, and the words unstoppable, I thought, okay, that's it. And um, so, I made the commitment. I said it out loud at master's camp and suddenly it was like, okay, I said I was going to do it. Now I have to. (laughs) It's okay to have an idea that you don't have to deliver on. But once I was committed, I was committed. And um, so I thought it has to be something that people can practice it, you know, around the world. So there has to be a simple core. 
And if I send, if I do a video and written directions, we can distribute this around the world. And everybody, everybody, even studios that weren't run by a female instructor, I was just so amazed and and actually humbled by the amount of response that I got. Um, at that master's clinic, we got a group of the lady masters came together and we practiced in the lobby of the hotel, the core, and, um, and each person took that back to their region and spread it in their region. So that when we came together, we would, you know, after one, one night of practice, be able to do a demo of that magnitude. Um, and then the only part that I didn't choreograph at all, I just said, if you have a specialty act, send it to me and we'll incorporate it. And I didn't put a limit. Oh my gosh, I got flooded with specialty acts. And it was like, how could you say no? So I thought, okay, we'll have to find, we'll have to find a way to make this work. And um, so that was the hard part was just the night before getting everybody lined up in a certain order so that they could easily pop out to do their specialty act. They couldn't be running from one end of the gym to the other. So we had to group those specialty acts around the outside um, and getting everybody to line up in order. And people just kept coming in. I mean, I thought I would have, you know, a couple hundred people. I, I lost count after 450 because wow. we were 15 across and we counted down 35 rows and then more kept filling in. So it was just this mass of women, awesome. And there was one moment, because uh, Master Scott Merrill was getting a little agitated with me because we were going longer with the rehearsal than we were supposed to. We had to leave the gym. And you know, you get a room full of black belts and, and they weren't called black belts, but you get a room full of black belts and masters and everybody has an idea. And so I'm getting ideas left, right and center. And it's like, okay, wait, I finally just got up behind the, microphone and said, Jayat. And I was just astonished. I mean, all the commotion just stopped. Everybody was lined up and I said, okay, we've got this. This is what we're going to do. And everybody just knew their part because they practiced it in advance. And some people confess that they only practiced a few days in advance, but the core was simple enough that they could do that. It was, it was, and it just, it was a, I'm still amazed at how well it came off and how amazing the specialty acts were too. I mean, there was such great variety and um, beautifully choreographed. And I was, I was so, so proud at that moment of all of us women and rural tongues that was great. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was, it was uh, like you said, just so I didn't realize how, just how many people there were, but um, I'm not surprised with seeing how many were there. So that, that's, that's cool. And I'm sure it's a memory that all, all those people that were a part of it and that saw it will remember forever. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a special it, moment. Um, Lindsay, it was cool. I'm not on Facebook, but my husband is. And he said, everybody's posting that demo again. I guess it was the, uh, the weekend we were supposed to have our championship. Oh, right, yeah. A lot of people had reposted it. And so we got to watch it again and it was fun. Relive that great moment really for all of us absolutely uh let's see we've got a couple so Lindsay from the uk said what is it the ladies demonstration was amazing i felt so proud and honored to stand side by side with females from around the world um 
And then Master Ramirez uh, says, hello, Masters. Just a little correction. I was the fourth national champion. Oh. First was <laughs> Mohamed Sanchez. Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. He's Mohamed Ali. Oh. Yeah. He, uh, thank you for correcting me. He said, thank you for your support, Master Marsh. Tung Su. Tung Su. Well, it was my first tournament uh, doing the division, so maybe that's what I got those two in my head together. <laughs> yeah, he he gave us the rundown of uh, the, the the first one. So that's now I remember that too. I don't think I attended it. That's why it's not as much of oh, my okay. memory. Thank thank you for uh, doing that, Master Ramirez. I appreciate it. Yeah. So. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch base on was your involvement at Master's Clinic and being a mentor to the, the candidates. Um, you know, obviously don't have to go into too much detail as far as what happens, but how did you get involved with that program, being able to, to help the, the Samdan candidates uh, that come to Master's Clinic? So I, I just got asked. I mean, it was... Um, <laughs> When Master Britt was running the program, um, right after when we were there, so we were the, my, my class, 1996, 94, 96, anyway, somewhere in there, there, we were not the first women in the association. There were two mass women masters that preceded us, um, um, Master Susan Del Bono and Master Isabel Hampton. I didn't know Master Del Bono. I knew her from the first world championship. The first time I ever saw Kansan Kun, she did it in our division. And I was like, it was awesome. Um, but I didn't see her at Master's Clinic. Master Hampton was there. Um, but in our class, we were 16 candidates and three of us were women. Um, Master Carla Bennett, myself, and Master Carol Coker. I think she's Carol Blatchford now. Um, and so when we got promoted, suddenly we were, you know, the new female masters, again, a real minority in this crowd. And so every time there were female candidates, Master Britt would ask one or the other of us to, to spend some time with the female candidate to help them get over the, their nerves being, you know, one of the first in, in a crowded, crowded room of men. Most of them didn't need it. That's how they grew up. That's how they get, went through their martial arts training, but he had us set that time aside. And then after a while that, you know, we didn't need to do that anymore because this mass of women kept joining. Um, and it was when um, Master Gallagher took over as the candidate training, he decided to pull a group together of, of helpers. And he asked me to be part of that group. And um, it, it is so um, inspiring to me to be able to work with candidates because coming in, they're the masters of the future and they have been working so hard to get there and you could just see it in every move they make and to try to help them bring out that best in themselves is really truly an honor. Um, it's inspirational to me and hopefully to each other when we are in that group um, to, to do their best at the test and achieve their next step in the, in the journey. Yeah, uh, just to go back, uh, Master Marsh said 1992. Uh, oh, <laughs> so <laughs> one year after the other. Sometime <laughs> in the 90s. I know. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. So the first year that I went to Masters Clinic was was the first year that Master Gallagher went. Was, okay. So that was just, so my my uh, candidate class was was part of that, and I I just remember you know being so nervous, and then finally getting on the floor and having people not bark orders, but you know we were in a big karate class. So yeah. once we got on and started training and it just, that felt, it's like, okay, it's just, it's just Tung Sudo, yeah. you know, it's on a bigger scale, but, um, you know, uh, everyone that was there helped just, it felt normal, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, you, candidates earn the right to be there long before the day they're there. And um, so I, I've actually had individual conversations with some people that are so nervous because it's the test. And that's what I tell them. I said, you would not be here right. if you were not qualified. And so show your qualification and, um, and then, and you'll be fine. Cause you know, you, it's the same as what you do in your own area. Mm -hmm. It's just not, in a different, with different people and with different examiners and on a bigger stage. One of the things that I, I liked that you, you said when you're talking about Master Britt, you know, having you talk to the mass, the, the ladies who would come in and you realizing they didn't need that talk. Um, <laughs> ha having a wife who is a martial artist, yeah. um, she's the same way. It's just like, I'm not a female martial artist, I'm a martial artist. And That's exactly um, right. So I, I appreciate that that mindset because that's an important part. Like this, we're we're all we're all in this because we love it. It doesn't matter, like you said, it doesn't matter size, it doesn't matter, you know, gender, race, whatever it is. We're all martial artists. Um, we're all very different, like you said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what you're good at is my is probably different than what I'm good at because of our size. But that's what I love about those things. Like you know, personally with my wife. I'd be I would I can teach something and and then she can say hey here's another way to look at it to someone who's smaller than me mm -hmm. you know I, I could say I could say all day like oh this will work for you but she knows for sure like you know for sure because we're, yep. we're <laughs> so that that shows up absolutely most to me in the one steps and the host and soul because there are some of those techniques that just don't work for somebody who's smaller you know you can't lever arms when you're not in the right position to do that so you right. have you have to modify the techniques and 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 it's okay I remember something that Kwon Jinim Shin said in he actually was talking to all of the students after a championship and um he said it had everybody sit down and I'll never forget it because you bring students in from different studios and their forms are slightly different uh, an instructor kind of takes things in a certain direction, no matter how much we try to standardize, people personalize, and then that gets magnified in their students. And um, somebody asked him, he said, well, what's right? Is it this way or is it this way? And is your hand this way or is it this way? And he said that our martial arts is like a river. He said, you're flowing in the same direction. And there may be tributaries that kind of go off a little bit on their own, but you're still flowing in the same direction and eventually you get to the same place as the ocean. And he goes, it's like that. He said, it's, there's not wrong or right. 
there's a standard and we should try to follow and not, you know, deviate completely. He goes, but those little things, you shouldn't worry about them. Just put your spirit into it. And it was like, I'll never forget that. And, and I feel that way about a lot of our techniques that we do that just won't work for someone my size against, you know, Master Green or, or Master Glenn. You know, <laughs> you, you have to adapt. Right. And um, and that's part of the art in martial arts is is adapting to work for your situation. Awesome. Uh, we have just to expand on that a little bit more. We have a disabled daughter, and the adaptation that we witness on a daily basis is pretty astonishing. Um, and it's a lesson to all of us that you. Not everybody is physically able to do certain things, but they are still able to participate. And I love when I see at the World Championship, we always will have a division where there's, there may be people with you know, disabilities of one type or another, but they're still there adapting and gaining from their martial arts training what you expect a student to gain from it. So anyway. No, that's perfect. I, I, I love that. And that's one of the reasons why I love the martial arts so much because um, literally anyone can be a part of it. And, mm -hmm. and you, you know, like you said, you can adapt it to, to anyone's, um, you know, strengths. And strengths. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that, that's awesome. Um, Master Marco shared, uh, and, and actually I was thinking about this too. You mentioned that you did an online uh, Zoom judging clinic. Mm -hmm. um, maybe share a little bit with that, and then uh, Master Marsh is gonna get an email for for Master Marco as well. But yes. uh, how did that? Yeah, how did that work? Can you just share a little bit on that? Yes, um, we have two very creative, uh, phenomenal individuals who've figured all of that out, and we our region was the beneficiary of that. Um, first, we did the online examination. And it was all done um, using Google Docs, and it was secure, and it was Scout's honor not to use your book and <laughs> go through it. And you are expected to review your book uh, in, in advance so that you could pass it. So that was how the written exam was done. And there were set timeframes that those were to be turned in by. And then if you passed that, you were invited to participate in the um, practical and um, they divided it into multiple sessions so that there were, I believe, seven of us as center judges and including myself, because, you know, even us masters have to renew. And, um, and then some, a number of corner judges were also getting their certification. And we had two students who volunteered. They were sons of one of our instructors who's phenomenal and their that whole family is just so giving of themselves the noriega family sure. um so the two boys were the competitors for the day and um we took turns they put um, into separate rooms and then we had examiners who were never on screen so when we went into our zoom room there were only the four corner judges the one center judge and one open camera on the student. And um, so we talked to our judges the way we do in our practicums and what we do to prepare them as a center judge. And then we talked to the students. Um, they did a form and they did a, a sparring match um, to prepare them. So with the kinds of things that you would say to them. 
And then um, we each had to get, because Zoom tends to put things in the wrong directions, depending on how you have it set, we had to have a red flag. So some, it might've looked on this one side for one and one side for the other, but if it was red, red got the point. And they went through and they had scenarios that they had prepared in advance. They, you know, faking injury or <laughs> asking to restart, or they put a lot of thought into the scenarios that were actually run. And the, the two Noriega boys did an excellent job acting them out and kudos to them because they had to do it all afternoon. Um, and then we all took turns. So there was a point in time, if you weren't being judged, you kind of just watched. And then when your turn came up, you were the five on camera, but they ran two of them simultaneously so that you, we could get through the afternoons in two separate Zoom rooms. And yes, if you email Master Marsh, <laughs> anybody who's watching, you wanna know that protocol, we're happy to share that with everyone. Because um, we had quite a few people that needed to be recertified this year. Excellent, like you said, uh, yeah. We adapt and, and overcome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we believe it or not, we're we're at an hour mark, and uh, I wow. want to I want to respect your time. Is there anything else that you want to talk about in closing? That you'd like to share with us? Um, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, just to say thank you all for being part of this. Um, I think we're all here because. It's our passion, it's part of our lives, uh, a key big part of our lives and we wouldn't be here without each other. So keep up the good work. Um, thank you for listening. It was a little intimidating for me. I'm, I'm pretty private a person. I don't even have a Facebook page, but talking about Tang Sudo kind of brought me out of my shell. Um, and um, just keep up the good work. If there's anything I can do for anyone, feel free to email me, I'm available. Um, cdmarsh at aol.com for the last 40 years. I think I've had that same email address. Um, and thank you for your time, Astro Watson. Thank you for organizing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, like I said, uh, every once in a while I'll get messages uh, with suggestions for talking to people and um, Master Noshida, put your name out there and uh, we've crossed paths in, at master's clinic, but, yeah. uh, hadn't really had a chance to ever get, a, uh, to talk. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm grateful that you had some time in your day to, to, to chat and, uh, and share. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're, it was my pleasure indeed. Thank you. All right. Well, all right. Thanks everyone for joining us. Um, Hi everyone. Tung Su. Yeah. Tung Su. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.